you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Yes! Welcome, everybody, to The Season with Peter Schrager. Uh, it's a new podcast. I'll be hosting this every week. And I got to tell you, I'm fired up. I'm so fired up because I've been a guest on a million podcasts. I've hosted a podcast called Flying Coach with Sean McVeigh that was awesome to do. And I've been waiting for the right moment and also waiting for the right vehicle to do my own podcast and now that we're a couple weeks into the season i'm like let's just chronicle the season get through each week with insights empty the bag have great guests and have some fun and and make you smarter as a listener but also have open dialogue about the season in real time so that when you're listening you're like you could follow this thing like it's a storybook and each chapter would be signified um or separated by the week that it is. Uh, if you don't know, I'm Peter Schrager. I host Good Morning Football on NFL Network. On Sundays, you can see me on Fox Sports. I used to be a sideline reporter. Now I'm a studio guy doing the reporter insider role. Um, been around the game for about 20 years as a sports writer. Worked on Inside the NFL. I've written a couple books. And uh, I truly love this game. I truly love this league. And I am a complete sponge for content and information. My strength is uh, my contacts. I talk to everyone around the league. I've got great relationships. I like to keep those relationships, but that's with players. It's with coaches. It's with GMs. It's with owners. It's with agents. It's with other media folks. Um, and most of all, I come at it like a fan who has got the lottery ticket that I can do this for a living. And I never 
uh, lose sight of that on a daily basis, that this is my job and how lucky I'm, I am to do it. And I'm fortunate that we're partnering with the NFL, but also with iHeart Radio, who uh, just the first couple of weeks working with these guys have been amazing partners, and I've met some new friends. One of them is Aaron Wong Kaufman. Aaron is going to be our producer, our co-host, going to take us through this season with us. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Peter, man. I'm stoked to be here with you. Uh, Aaron, your story. You work at iHeart. You're a sound and audio guy, but you're also an NFL diehard fan. Yeah. Grew up uh, in a family of Bills fans. My dad's side of the family. They are all from Buffalo. My uncle still has season tickets. Okay. Um, and, you know, didn't grow up with necessarily the greatest era of Bills seasons during my childhood, um, but they got such an exciting team right now. It was so great watching them develop over the last few years and stoked to see where they go now. But yeah, I've been with iHeart for like three years now. Uh, got to work with the NFL last year on the show Split Ends with Colleen Wolf and Erica Tamposi, and I am so excited to be working with you this season. I can't wait. And you're cool. Like I could tell, you, you live in Brooklyn. You're a bed guy, and you've got a style, you've got a flavor to you, and I love your energy. And I, I think we're like, how should we start this podcast? I, I kind of like going week to week and keeping it up to date, and I feel like we're recording this on a Tuesday. Let's do something we call four downs. You're going to serve me up with a down, and I'm just going to empty the bag on my thoughts, and uh, we'll set the stage for not only what we just consumed in week five, but what we expect in week six. What do we got, Aaron? All right, big game last night for Monday Night Football. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chiefs are losing at halftime. We've got the call. Kelsey comes back, scores four touchdowns. What are your major reactions and takeaways from last night's game? My major reactions is that Arrowhead crowd is no joke. And I know that sounds like I'm playing to the Chiefs fan base. I'm not. Like They're down in that game, and you get that crazy roughing the passer penalty on Chris Jones. And in a typical situation, like, oh, that sucks for the Chiefs. That Like, that sucks. That, now they're back against it, the wall and all that. Instead, the crowd reacts with such vitriol, booing, not just at the call, but for the next 10 minutes, that, like, there was a fervor in that building where you felt almost the momentum change based on a bad call. So what happens? Well, they find a way to get the ball back. They get their touchdown, and then right before the first half ends, they're down uh, 20 to 7. And Matthew Wright, a rookie kicker who missed a 41 yarder earlier, nails a 59 yarder. And like the ESPN cameras shoot to the sidelines, and Andy Reid's fist pumping. And Patrick Mahomes has this look of like, don't sweat it, I got you. Don't sweat it, I got you. Like, don't worry, it's where we live. And the stat I got earlier this week, like, they're 11 and five under Mahomes in games that they've trailed by 10 points or more. That's insane. 11 and five. And that crowd led to this like incredible atmosphere where you knew that the ball was going to start rolling come the second half and they eventually got the lead. And then you see what happens. The officiating tides turn a little bit and you get some, some calls like a defensive holding on a missed field goal from right that I haven't seen that call since 2015. And I'm not saying the refs were influenced by it, but that whole atmosphere changed. And my takeaway from this game, we could talk Mahomes, we could talk MVS, we could talk about what they did to adjust at halftime. But my takeaway is here come the Bills, week six, what I think is the marquee game of the season. And that crowd is already in a lather from Monday night. Uh, this was not a trap game. This was not a gotcha game. It was the Raiders. So don't think that the, the Chiefs were lulled into this thing. 
But I can't wait for the atmosphere. Sunday, week six, Bills versus Chiefs. Both teams four and one. Both quarterbacks at the peak of their powers. Both teams having overcome a 17-point deficit to win a game uh, in the past few weeks. The Bills did it against the Ravens. And uh, I think we're lucky. We're fortunate that we're getting this so soon in the season and everyone's pretty much healthy for it. Week six, Bills Chiefs, Arrowhead, sign me up. That's my first doubt and my reaction that, holy sh**, the Chiefs and that fan base, they are tough to beat even when they're down by double digits. Okay, second down. What is happening with the Rams offense? I've gotten a lot of texts about it. Everyone knows my relationship with Sean McVay. Uh, I've known Sean for a decade. We're good friends. And I'm not going to tell you, uh, he's saying everything's fine, but I could also tell you it, it, it needs to be fixed now. And like, this is the moment in time because Stafford does not look like Stafford. Um, it's, it's actually incredible how inept this offense has been. They've scored just one touchdown in the last nine quarters. Stafford has been sacked 21 times this season through five games. Last season, he was sacked 30 times the entire 17 game regular season. Uh, but I, I'm going to take a positive spin on it. You know, one of those games was against the 49ers and Nick Bosa's breathing down their back. Uh, one of those games against Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. And you go week one, that Bills team was shot out of a cannon. Those are their three losses. Um, they get the Carolina Panthers who come limping in this week. And I think my whole take is like, where the hell is Allen Robinson? And I know that's a fantasy football conversation. And I usually say like, here's what you're not getting anywhere else, but it's a real conversation because with Van Jefferson injured with Odell Beckham, not on this roster. And by the way, if I'm Odell, I don't know if I'm signing with the Rams anytime soon, if you're looking at this offense either with Von Miller, not coming back anymore, which was such an emotional lift last year. Like they need Allen Robinson. Like you need Allen Robinson. This guy has to step up. You can't be relying on Ben Skoralnik to be the fullback and and also the wide receiver too. You can't rely on Tutu Atwell, who I think is five foot eight and you know is a fast player, but is not an every down guy. Allen Robinson was signed for big money. He's getting zero separation. He's a great dude. So like you're talking about a guy who wants it. He's not a guy who loafs it. He's not a guy who doesn't want. Is this one of the great misfirings of free agent history right now? Because five weeks in. Allen Robinson has done nothing. And, you know, you blame the run game, the offensive line. If you don't have that number two guy to Cooper Cup, the fear is that you ride Cooper Cup so much that the wheels come off and come week seven, week eight, not only is Cup injured, knock on wood, Cup is spent. Like you can't do this at this pace. And you're seeing defense is already key in on Cooper Cup. So to me, Allen Robinson is everything. This is an NFL player who gets the benefit of the doubt because he was playing with Blake Bortles and with Mitch Trubisky. And it's always been like, yo, A-Rob, if he's got a quarterback, just watch out. He is that guy. The Rams are paying him as that guy. And in August, all I heard from the Rams folks was Robinson is not only stepping up, but like he's the perfect number two for Cup for what he can do. And I'm watching these games and he's not getting separation. So Aaron, to you, my producer, my friend, like I will tell you this, you could pick pick apart Cam Akers, you could pick apart the offensive line, you could say Stafford doesn't look right, you could say McVay has lost his touch. I look at their number two wide receiver and their big free agent signing that I know they had so much expectations for going into this thing. I think Allen Robinson. And if that requires Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, and Sean McVay to scrap their principles to try to just get him going, whether that means wide receiver screens or getting involved in the handoffs, like you have to make this work. Allen Robinson needs to be that guy and it needs to happen soon for this offense to click. 
Okay, third down. We're going with a positive spin now. Did anyone see this Giants thing coming? I mean, like, is this as much of a surprise to you as it is to me? It's a shock. Uh, it's a shock. I, I thought the Joe Shane hire was great as GM. And then, you know, Joe with, uh, with the Mara family starts interviewing the candidates and it's like, all right, Brian Flores might be the guy. Who else are we meeting with? Okay. Let's, let's think about, you know, is Brian Dable the guy he has got a relationship with Shane and then he gets here and it's like, all right, Daniel Jones has to be a lame duck quarterback. Saquon Barkley hasn't been healthy since 2018. He's probably a lame duck contract. And then you go around this wide receiver room. It's like, all right, Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay are all making money like that. And then you see the team play and it's like, oh my gosh, they're so well coached. And I think that's the X factor here. Daniel Jones is not going to light it up through the sky. So instead of Brian Dable treating him like he's Josh Allen, he's like, let's draw up an offense to, to maximize his strengths. That defense does not have many star players on it. Wink Martindale comes in as a defensive coordinator and he's like, all right, let's maximize what we've got. Let's use my philosophies of sending the dogs, but let's be true to what we are and be disciplined. And then Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, has been fantastic as well. I think the most important hire of this entire offseason, I'm talking about free agencies, I'm talking about trades, I'm talking, was Brian Dable as the head coach of the New York Giants. The culture has changed and he has immediately put players in position to succeed. And more importantly, Aaron, they believe like they could succeed. You're watching them. This team's believing. They're rallying around it. Like they were down 14 points to the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and they come out of halftime and they don't quit. That is such, such a breath of fresh air for the New York Giants. And, you know, the Giants have this history of coaching, and it's like Parcells, like you knew what you were getting. Parcells' teams were tough, they were strong, they were defensive minded, and they were not going to beat themselves. Coughlin, disciplined, on time type of team that was going to be led by that defensive front. And then Eli was going to do what Eli does best. And that's win in the clutch. This team, I didn't know what Daniel Jones did well. And that's why I was so surprised, you know, before the season, good morning football, we make our playoff picks. And I was dismissive. And one Giants fan tweets at me all the time. And it's like, bro, you know, retract this comment. And it was me saying, well, the Giants aren't a playoff team. Like, it's going to be Eagles or Cowboys. I don't see the Giants as a playoff team. And it was very dismissive. And it was almost, you know, to the point where, like, if you were a player, you'd be insulted by that. But gosh, are they well coached? And do those players step up? Uh, top to bottom, that 53, you're talking about guys like, you know, David Sills is doing toe tap stuff on the sidelines uh, at wide receiver, looking awesome. You're talking about defensive players that have been on this team that are stepping up to the next level. Um, seeing Dexter Lawrence look like a first round pick last week was really cool. And then just, just all the young guns coming up and playing tough and playing big, but it starts at the top. Dable gets a lot of credit and Dable gets a lot of love for the dancing and the locker room and all that stuff. But gosh, are they a disciplined team that likes playing for their head coach and you feel the culture. So I did not see it coming. I will give a mea culpa there. Um, but I don't think they're going away. And I think they might be one of those sneaky wildcard teams or maybe even a division winner. And that's because the coach has them believe in Aaron. Okay. Fourth down. Give me your shout out of the week. Who impressed you the most? Yeah. Shout out is to the 49ers. This is a team that continues to just get stung by the injury bug, but continues to kick butt. A lot of excuses could be made, but the Niners lost you know, their star pass rusher and Nick Bosa in this game, Emmanuel Mosley in this game. They're already out without Eric Armstead and Trent Williams. Jimmy Ward breaks his hand in this game and they just go on and roll and win 37 to 15. You know, I got a crazy fact from a source at the Niners. They went from 
uh, Carolina to stay in this week at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, which is a lovely resort where they, they've spent the last three years on these East Coast trips before they go and play Atlanta. This is the third straight year they've lost a player to a massive ACL injury going to the Greenbrier. Last year, it was Jason Verrett. They had another one before that with, with Bosa. Like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Like, you're not supposed to have massive ACL injuries year after year. And you're not supposed to lose your starting quarterback, Trey Lance, um, you know, so early in the season. And yet, you lose Elijah Mitchell. You lose Trent Williams. These are These are starters. They are down nine starters. And what do they do? They just like flip the page and they say, let's keep rolling. I think the Niners deserve a lot of love here because a lot of teams get key injuries and they go into a corner and into a hole and they don't continue to bring it. But whatever reason, this Niners team has been stung with the injury bug year after year after year and they don't fade. Other guys step up. Like, was there any doubt that Jeff Wilson, when Elijah Mitchell came up, was came out, was going to step up? No, he stepped up. Like, is there any doubt that these offensive tackles, who we don't know their names, when Trent Williams goes down, step up? They step up. Even Jimmy G steps up. Like, the Niners, to me, um, they deserve a shout-out as we head to Week 6. They're at the Greenbrier right now, coming off yet another ACL injury, and this one, Emmanuel Mosley, and it doesn't phase them. They just keep rolling. To me, that's, that's coaching, and that's culture, and that's what the Niners have. Now, I ask you, Aaron. Who do you want to shout out? All right, let's go from Jimmy G to his old team. I want to shout out the Pats defense. I thought they looked incredible. They shut out the Lions. Rookie Jack Jones had the interception in the end zone. Matt Judon had two sacks. Um, in the second half, the Lions went for it on fourth down on their first four drives, never connected. The Pats just... It, they looked so good again on defense. You remember, yeah, like remember us, like right, like that's what it used to be under Belichick. Uh, doesn't it seem like Belichick's having more fun this year? As much as this team might not have the talent, and right, like he seems like he likes these guys. Do you get that feeling? Yeah, and especially after like all the hubbub this preseason and offseason about all the who's calling plays, who's not calling plays, even the offense now is doing well. Damian Harris got hurt. Ramondre Stevenson stepped, stepped, right, stepped up. right in, just ran through the, the Lions defense. I mean, they looked incredible. Yeah. Okay. Those are two shout outs. Those are four downs is what we do. And then we do a guest every week. Uh, the plan is we're going to bring in coaches, GMs, celebrity fans that you might know from other work that just are diehard sports fans. And for the first guest, I wanted to bring in a friend of mine and a guy who's having a little moment right now. It's the head coach of the New York Jets. It's Robert Sala. Sala I've known since his Jacksonville days. Uh, he went from Jaguars to Seahawks to Niners defensive coordinator to finally the Jets. Uh, you know, starts off his career four and fourteen, but now they've they've got a little thing going here. They're three and two for the first time since 2017. And Salah's a good dude. I want everyone to get to know him beyond the histrionics on the sideline, beyond the coaching stuff. This is a good person. Robert Salah is our first guest. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. 
the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Now joined by the uh, three and two New York Jets head coach and a uh, local hero right now in New York, and he's the man, Robert Sala. Welcome to the season with Peter Schrager. What's up, man? How you doing, man? I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Uh, take us through the the last two days. You guys get this amazing win uh, over the Dolphins. The Jets are over at the 500 for the first time since 2017, and this city is alive. I'm in New York City. You're in Jersey. Are you feeling that? Are you feeling the juice from the fans and also from just the media market in general? No, you know what? We, we, we got a young team. Um, I think positive affirmations are always critical, especially when you're on a young roster and you're trying to build confidence and you're trying to uh, get that, that – um, the ball rolling, if you will, you know, but uh, uh, so I, I would imagine for, for those young men they, to, to get positive affirmations, to see on tape that they're capable and what they're capable of and what we as a team are capable of. I, I think all of it's good, but at the same time, you've got to be able to compartmentalize all that noise and keep the main thing, the main thing, which is preparation. And that's why we've had the success we've had is because of preparation. And if we lack preparation, that success won't continue. Yeah, uh, uh, Brees Hall puts up 197 yards from scrimmage. And you and I were talking this summer, like I compared him to Matt Forte. I was like, he catches the ball, he runs the ball. It's it's on display right now. When, when you draft a running back in the second round, there's such high expectations. When you see him out there, what's your impression just five weeks into his NFL career? Um, he's been getting better every week. Uh, him and Michael Carter make a really really cool duo uh it's a really good one-two punch and there, there's gonna be a week where michael goes off you know so there's it's it's a really good compliment but for Brees, you know just this week-to-week improvement with regards to running style and understanding the difference between the nfl and college um where there's things that he could get away with in college because he's just so much better than everybody uh but now in the nfl where you've got to you've just got to change your running style a little bit and i feel like he's done that especially the last two weeks and uh and it's paying off for him yeah, I, I go back after week one, you guys lose to the Ravens. And you had the line that, that got picked up everywhere. And you said, hey, uh, uh, you know, you, the, I'm taking receipts. All of you who mocked us taking receipts. Now it's too early to cash in those receipts. It's, it's week five. But I, when you said that, I almost watched from afar. And I'm like, did he mean to say that? Did he, did he know where he was going with that? Because the media ate it up. But it seems like the players have responded. Like now that we're a month removed from the I'm taking receipts, 
what is your reaction when you look at how things have changed and now here we are uh, three and two, but also players are believing in each other? You know, I, um, for me, it's the, uh, the constant improvement from the team, right? It's all, that's always the main focus. And um, didn't think the receipts comment would do what it did. I was really hoping that it'd go away by now. But uh, <laughs> because we're, it's it's just it's so far away, you know, we've got to accomplish so much than just three wins. We've got to, there's so many things that we want to accomplish as an organization. Um, so it's probably in hindsight very silly of me. But at the same time, just I, I don't think our players are externally motivated by um, by words and 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 board uh, billboards or whatever you call bulletin board. board. Yeah, I I I I think when Joe and I got together two years ago the, the charge was to bring in guys who love this game and will do everything they can to protect it and i feel like we've done a really good job bringing in men who love this game and i think what people are seeing is just unwavering desire to get better every day and um and this group i think we got a locker room that loves the game so much that they're going to find ways to make sure they protect it so they can continue to get better you know i um and so there, it is going to be a challenge because we're still young and we're going to be humbled but at the same time i just got a lot of faith in the locker room. And that's kind of where the, the genesis of everything is that I've got faith in what I know is going to be possible. And it's just a matter of continuing to stack up great days and, and show people. Stack up great days. And Sunday was one. And there's a moment in that game where Quinn and Williams takes that ball, stiff arms Tyree Kill after a week of us hearing about state income taxes and how he never really was that interested in being in the Jet and all this stuff. It felt like there was this great catharsis from the sideline of seeing Quinn and toss Tyreek Hill aside and be like, no, dude, like we're here. Um, that moment felt like a moment. Am I making too much of it? That, that, that play right there with Quinn and Williams of all people who has been a top five pick, who has been just chopping wood, having that on the home field in front of the home fans. Am I making too much of it? Or was that like a cool turning point for this Jets team? I, I don't know about turning point Shregs, but I, I do think it was an awesome play. Um, deserves all the attention it gets, not, not because of who it was against and all that. I'm just, anytime you get a, a fat guy with the ball running people over. <laughs> so <laughs> not that Quinn is fat, but big man, a big man, a big man, big running, man. With the big man. running with a, with a little coffee bean, it looks like, you know, but uh, uh, anytime, but I mean, I'm a defensive guy. The greatest, the greatest play in football is sack, sack, fumble, scoop and score. If you can, I like guess the, that's like the, the triple crown, but uh and, um, you know, to get a big man running and, and running people over and the stadium erupting and you're basically a few yards, five yards away from putting a team away in that situation. It was just a, a really cool, pivotal moment in the game uh, that just erupted the entire stadium, not let alone the sideline. You know, my boy Kyle Brandt gave him the angry runs scepter for the angriest run of the week. That's very rare. A defensive player gets it, man. That's a big deal. It. Big man running with the ball, running people. Of course, he deserves it, you know. But uh, <laughs> no, he's uh, he's Quinnen is um, he's having a heck of a year. He's only going to get better. But uh, I love where he's at mentally and his mindset and the way he approaches season. You know, last year he he didn't really get a chance to have OTAs in training camp, dealing with that foot injury that he suffered during uh, uh, the off season. And he's fully healthy, the best shape of his life, like we talked about. And uh, you know, really expecting him to continue ascending. It's a fun team. It's a fun moment in time. And now we turn the page because now we go to Lambeau. And I don't know if I'm breaking news here. I've heard from good good info that like Fox might send the number one crew there. This might be Burkhart, Olsen, Aaron Andrews. Like this is being treated like a premier game, America's game of the week. 
Jets at Packers. And it also has this extra wrinkle that the listeners might know, not know, but not only is Matt LaFleur your offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur's older brother, he's one of your best friends in the world. Can you take us through the relationship between you and Matt LaFleur and where it started and where it's at? Yeah. Um, so we actually played against it. We, I was a tight end. He was a quarterback, but our schools played against each other in college. Didn't know each other then, but uh, I get to central Michigan and, and if you could see it, like this little little square right here, I saw it was like a broom closet. He and I shared the same office. It was, and it was about the size of a broom closet. I mean, it was as coaches, as coaches at Central Michigan. And who's uh, the head coach of that team? Is that Brian, Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly, yep, Brian Kelly. Was <laughs> head coach. Uh, and he and I just, I mean, it was like just instantaneous. Um, just, just the 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 vibe, and uh, we became room. We we got roommate. We were roommates. Got. Uh, Got an apartment in the projects of uh, Mount Pleasant, uh, <laughs> and uh, we've been we've been tight ever since. You know, sharing ideas, philosophy, always talking, and uh, you know he's he's such a good man, and uh, he's he's won a lot of games and he's had a lot of success in this league. And even when he was a coordinator and, a, and a, an assistant uh, an assistant coach, like he's done nothing but win. And so you just know that he's going to have his team ready to roll. They're going to be pissed off and. Uh, and they're going to be home. And so you just know you're going to get everything that they are, and it's going to be a tremendous challenge. I got, take me back to Central Michigan, Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Like, who, who's the cleaner of the two roommates? Who's the one who's cooking at night? Like, what, what, what's the situation? I can't imagine so, you and Matt LaFleur, two NFL head coaches now, sitting there as 22-year-old kids in a box for an apartment in Mount we had, Pleasant. We had, no, we had no furniture except for a couple of mattresses and bedroom sets. Um, there was, it was, it was, there was, we had a table. So the <laughs> story is we, we found this awesome table and chairs at, at the, uh, at Salvation Army Goodwill. Yes, yep. we, we buy the table and we're like, shoot, we can't fit it all in the car. So we take the table and we're like, okay, let's go back and get the chairs. And we go back to get the chairs. They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone. And they were like, why didn't we buy these before we, and so we had a, we had a, we had a table, no chairs in the kitchen. And so we just sit there and eat, just stand or standing, just, um, eat on the fly, uh, late nights together, wingman, all that stuff, all that good stuff. And, uh, so it was, we, there's a lot of, a lot of dark, deep secrets that we know about each other. So we have no yeah. choice. And his little brother is your, one of your first hires when you come to the Jets. Uh, your relationship with Mike, I imagine, stems through Matt? Uh, yeah, so, well, you know, Matt's from Mount Pleasant. So we were always at his parents' house raiding the fridge, and there's little Mike and, and his, you know, high school sweetheart, who's now his wife. But, uh, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike's not here because of that relationship. Mike's here because of how much I respect him as a football coach, and I think that's very important. Um, does the relationship help? Yeah, because there's a level of trust and a level of communication that I can have to be able to establish the identity and what we're trying to get done offensively. But Mike is extremely talented, and uh, and he's got the hardest job of anyone. I, of anyone, I, I would argue in the league, just thinking about what he has as a coordinator with all these babies on offense that he's trying mm-hmm. to develop and, and mold. And um, so, yeah, the, the relationship kind of is obviously through Matt, but but. Um, just watching him grow as a football coach and who he's who his influences are. It's been it's been impressive to watch him evolve. This podcast, we're getting to know coaches, GMs, celebrity fans a little bit better, but we're also spinning it forward to next week. So when you were with San Francisco, you guys had a lot of success against Aaron Rodgers. I'm not putting that expectation on you. But when you watch the tape and you see Rodgers, is does this motivate you as a defensive coach to be like, all right, 
national TV. Everyone's watching. We're the hot team. They're coming off a loss. Like, let's go do something here. Um, you know what? It's uh, the the last time I, I was going I, I went against the Cardinals Thursday night football in the COVID game. They beat the they beat the yeah. That didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Aaron is he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, Lambeau Field is iconic. Uh, the, the, the Packer organization and the amount of success they've had, especially since Matt's been there has been, uh, unprecedented to a degree. And so it's, there's a lot of excitement, but at the same time, it's every game is a championship game, period. Doesn't matter who you're playing. William and Mary, Green Bay Packers, you, you approach it all the same. And, uh, you know, so just keeping, again, just keeping the main thing, the main thing and doing your best, uh, every, uh, when, when the moment comes and, you know, all those little cliche things that we talk about day in and day out. But it, I mean, it's, it's going to be fun, you know, because of how, how cool the atmosphere is over there and just it being Lambo. But, uh, but at the same time, you can't, you can't separate the two. You, you, you attack it the way you would any other game. You trust that your best is good enough. So. You and I have spoken about your entry into the NFL quite a bit. And I think the listeners would appreciate this. So you get out of college, you're working at a finance job, about what three months in, you start hitting that wall of what am I doing with my life? Can you take us through your decision to give up what might have been a very lucrative career in finance to chasing the dream of being an NFL coach? Yeah, no, I, uh, up until I got this job, I was I was going to make a heck of a lot more money in, in uh, banking than I do than football. But um, you know, it's just one of those deals. You know, like uh, try to explain it the best I can. When you do what you love, it'll love you back. That's that's kind of the old saying, right? Or the, uh, a saying. So just questioning at a very young age and having the the support I had from my family and, and the resources that I had to be able to attack coaching. Cause not a lot of people can get into coaching because of, I mean, shoot, I was making 600 bucks a month for the first three years of my coaching career. And, uh, so, so you're making pennies. You're, it's tremendous sacrifice, but there's so many people who helped me along the way, but um, you know, you're sitting there in the banking world and it's like, okay, I can chase money or I can chase what I love. And it's such a, such a I'm just fortunate because it doesn't always work out this way but when you do what you love it'll love you back it everything kind of took care of itself the money followed the family the kids all of it like it's I'm I'm very blessed and um and and so you just it's just a, a fortunate obviously I'm fortunate got lucky along the way had a lot of great players to coach but uh it was just making that I was at the crossroads of life and hey do I want money or do I want to do what I love every day where I don't feel like I'm you know it's the commute downtown jumping on the train and walking inside going to Peter pit for lunch and Peter pit. miserable miserable <laughs> so but um anyway that was it and then gary kubiak how does that happen how do you connect with him and get that gig in the nfl so i was i was an intern for the for dom capers and big fangio so so what happened was uh at central michigan there was another assistant who's now on our staff here his name is tony Oden. uh he's our uh corners coach here um he, when we were, when he was at Central, he and I got very close, uh, very quickly, but, and he was there for only spring ball. And then he takes off. He becomes the assistant DB coach for the Houston Texans. He and I stayed connected and I go to Georgia and I'm there for about two weeks. And, uh, he calls and says, Hey, there's an internship available. Would you be interested? I can't promise you anything, but you know, it's, it's five bucks an hour. I say, I'm there five bucks an hour. I'm there. I don't care. And, um, it was like, a, it was a really long weekend and coach Capers calls me and says, Rob, uh, sounds like you're the guy we need. And this was before quality controls was like a full-time position. It wasn't even a job. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, so Dom Capers was the head coach. He was the head coach. Okay. So I'm a big fan. Gio's assistant. 
uh, God bless him. I don't think he talked to me until like week six of the season. I got hired like <laughs> a week before a week before the season, and by week uh, by week three of that season, if everyone remembers, our offensive coordinator was let go, and like it was like okay, Houston's Houston's done. Everyone's doors are closed. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Just an intern, which was in hindsight was lucky because they couldn't fire me. I was an intern. I wasn't technically on the coaching staff. Long story short, Kubiak comes in, and you know Mike talked. Mike uh, McDaniel talked about it last uh, last week. I was just I was a squatter, just kind of hanging out, waiting for Kub, and hovering around his desk, grabbing his trash, whatever, talking to him about the building, and went a whole weekend of just me and him visiting. And uh, finally, said, "Coach, I, I have options," which I didn't. Um, <laughs> which I didn't. That's <laughs> what I told my I, wife. Uh, <laughs> I have I'd, I'd love I'd love to be here. Um, and I'd love to work for you and, and prove myself to you however I can. And, uh, and he gave me a job and the rest is history. So the rest is history and the young crew that you had there. I mean, you said, Mike, what's a 22, 23 year old Mike McDaniel at a Yale? Like, what is that hang session? Uh, buddy is a ball, of, <laughs> a rolling ball of butcher knives, my man. <laughs> no, he's like, he's a lot like he is now, just a little bit more tame, uh, or, uh, you know, he's very he's tame tamer. now. But the same, but the same style, just the, just, um, so smart, so authentic, um, so, so, so good with his words, so good with his body language, his ability to communicate with people and, and the way people gravitate to him and just love being around him because he's got this personality that's, I mean, you've been around him, you know, he's got this, uh, he's got this way about him, you know, and, uh, um, so he's, he's been great, but that room, it was, it was, it was, yeah, he's in there. It was me and Mike McDaniel to start. And then Matt LaFleur shows up and he gets thrown in one uh, another corner. And then in the final corner was Richard Hightower. Special uh, teams coach the for the Bears, Bears, yeah. Bears. And uh, so it was a pretty cool room. And then Kyle Shanahan in the hall right behind us just coming in there, just magically forgetting how to use a copy machine and yelling at everybody. <laughs> I was like, this coach only 25 years old, man. Press the button. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh but no, it was a pretty cool staff so. it's funny because we always talk about that washington staff and it was like they had lafleur they had shanahan they had mcdaniel they had mcveigh what year was that for that texan staff we never get that ex like that uh, visual go back to it. it was that's the old five oh six oh six staff oh six and what you guys do you had schaub and andre like was the team good uh so uh kyle i think we went um uh, I want to say eight we went nine and seven or okay. uh, eight and eight, eight and eight. We went eight and eight with them. Um, and uh, Kyle took off to to Washington to be with his pops. And uh, but that group, that eight and eight team, Kyle's last year. He was the offensive coordinator, and it was me, McDaniel. Uh, uh, McDaniel had left, but me, Lafleur were in there. So it was just a, it was a cycle. I don't know if we were all in there. We were all in there together for one year, uh, and then McDaniel took off to take take advantage of an opportunity, and then. Um, uh, they all reunited back in Washington. We're going to wrap with uh, two quick questions. One, I like to ask this to all the coaches, and I know we say we don't play favorites, but it could be a sentimental favorite. It could be an all-around best player. The defensive player that you enjoyed coaching the most was who? In my career? Yeah. Man, I got a lot of them now. Frederico Warner. Who we got? I Richard mean, Sherman. Who we talking? I mean, you got I – mean, I, I can go through the list. I mean, I'm uh, – Who comes up? Who's in your head? I, I've been blessed. I'm sure I've been blessed. You talk from Houston, D'Amico Ryans was our linebacker. Him and Coach, mm. like those two, that was unbelievable too, right? Then you go to Seattle, you got 
the Legion of Boom, Bobby Wagner, uh, Chris Clemens was awesome to, to talk crap with on a daily basis. Um, then you go to uh, uh, Jacksonville with, with Paul Puzlesny. Like you talk about, I, I thought he was in the military. And I was like, so are you a military family? And he's like, what are you talking about, coach? <laughs> just, just that's football this, guy. You look at uh, football guy, and, uh, and it's his neck. Uh, it's him and Takara Spikes' his neck. His jawline, just his handsome, <laughs> just by the book. Love Puzz. I mean, the guy's the guy's working as a defense contractor, and uh, for, for is the, he really? Uh, oh, he's. Uh, I'm, I'm like, buddy, you know, you don't need to work. And he's like, ah, I get bored. I get bored. And I'm like, I'm like, he's in rocket science, basically. I'm like, he's the best. And then you go to uh, San Francisco, and just the the from DeForest Buckner to Warner. Um, Jimmy Ward, Tart, uh, Richard Sherman again. I mean, it's just been, I've been so fortunate. And then you get into this group and there's so many young personalities here. I've, I've been very, very fortunate in my career. And like I said, we, uh, we're, you know, when you get to one of these seats, it's, uh, you're, you've been blessed to be around great players. And every head coach, every coach can say that, that you, you, you're blessed. And uh, we've been fortunate, so. And my last question is always going to be a little life advice and life advice for those at home. And in this case, I go back to your year last year. Your house isn't ready yet. You've got seven (laughs) children. You've got a wife. You're in a new market. And correct me if I'm wrong. You guys were living in a two-bedroom apartment, three-bedroom apartment while you were waiting for your house. How did you get through that? And how is your marriage still stable? And take us through just all all the dads and husbands out there. Seven kids in a two-bedroom apartment with a new job and a new market. Good luck. Um, and a pull-out pull cut. We did have a pull-out so Okay, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> so there's three The beds. Murphy bed. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I'll be honest. That credit goes to my wife. Um, I got to go to work and hide from it. And, um, you know, like, I, I look back at it. My kids, they grew up, like, it was almost like the way we grew up. You know, I was like, hey, I'll meet you, in, I'll meet you across the street or I'll meet you in the, in the lobby or whatever. Like, they were going, I don't know where the heck they were half the time. They were in you know, Ricky Manning's kid uh, apartment messing with their kids. They're, they're messing with all the players. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Where are well, what was it? It's like, it's temporary living or it's like just an apartment it, complex it, for all the it, jets. It's, like a, it's, it's, uh, it's extent, basically extended living yeah. uh, apartment complexes. And so like the players will stay there. And if you're going to be somewhere, you need a place to stay for a few months, a beautiful place. It's a, yeah. it's a really nice place. But uh, so my kids, they're, they're running around. They don't know anybody. They're sleeping on top of each other. They don't know anybody. <laughs> And uh, the, the hard part was for my wife and I, because, you know, you want some private time. You want to hang out with the wife. I want to watch. I don't think I watched TV at all last year because there's it was always there's one TV and it was the Mickey Mouse Club. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, it's uh, we're fortunately it's funny now that we're in the house and knock on wood, we got this beautiful home and all these bedrooms. They're all, they're all in the same bedroom, sleeping on top of each they other. They still are this, hanging. Yeah. So, and I'm like, you know, you have your own bedroom. I'm like, nah, I got, I want to sleep with Adam. He's the oldest one. And so you got all of them just feet and mouth and you're like, what is wrong with you guys? You got all this space. But um, I, I feel like it brought the kids to very, very close together. And, and, and you know, my wife and I, we got a room on the opposite side of the room. Don't hear any, our house. So it's, everything's great. But uh um, you know, you appreciate, I, 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 you always want to look at the silver lining of stuff. And so you could, you can either dwell, you know, in adversity or you can, uh, shine, I guess. And I looked at the silver lining and that the kids were doing awesome. Yeah. It was a little hard for my wife and I, but, um, but the kids, which is the main thing, no, my wife is the main thing, but the kids were also a big part of it. Um, they were, they were thriving. And so it was, I thought it was cool. You like Jersey, huh? Yeah, my wife loves it. I don't get to see much of it, but I do. I, um, 
I, I love the fact it's that it's a thing, man. I grew up in Jersey. It is like a thing. Like once you get right, here, like, it, you gotta they, lean in. Well, everyone, everyone who comes here, they're like, man, New York. I was expecting. I was like, no, we're we're thirty minutes away from everything. I mean, everybody knows everybody. You walk into the barber shop, and it's like every all the locals are there. All the kids know. Every parent knows every parent. Every kid knows every kid. And you go to a uh, it's 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 like where, where I grew up. You know, you go to a graduation party, and there's ten parents at this graduation party. They're just hanging out, like chaperoning and hanging out with one another while all their kids are doing whatever. And it's like everyone is so tight knit, and it's just you feel safe in that regard because you know your kids can just ride a bike and go somewhere, and they, and you know that. If something's wrong, somebody knows somebody to make sure that your kid gets home safely. And uh, so I, I, I love it here. It's beautiful. It's uh, it's not New York. It's New Jersey, but you're 30 minutes from New York, yeah. where you can go get all of New York that you want, but you can still kind of escape to the quiet burbs, which is my style. And uh, but but it's you know we're we're fortunate. We're in a very very nice area, and uh, and my wife loves it, and we love it, and we're, we can be happier. Happy for you, man. Three and two going into Lambo. It's a cool moment for Robert Sala and the New York Jets. And I appreciate you being our first guest on the season with Peter Schrager. This was awesome, dude. Thank you. No, I appreciate you, brother. You're the man. Guys, Robert Sala. Awesome as always. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, my man. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. 
Robert Sala was awesome. That guy, he's a great coach and a great man. Um, and I got to tell you, the team we have at NFL Network is pretty awesome too. And one of the sneaky Easter eggs that we have on Good Morning Football is that we've got one of the best research groups uh, that you will see in sports television. And at the Combine and at the draft, I'm on the panel there and it's like my favorite time of the year. I'm doing all the draft stuff and I've got this little secret weapon in my back pocket and his name is Tony Holzman. Escoreno and Tony is our researcher on that set and it's myself it's Chris Rose it's Charles Davis and Tony and I we bust balls but we also love to go through the actual numbers and like dig a little deeper and get those nuggets. Tony, welcome to the podcast, man. Appreciate you having me, Shregs. It's it's an honor to be here with you. Obviously, we have a great time at the combine and the draft every year, but it's good to be in a different medium with you here. And let me tell you something. I thought it'd be cool every week to have a segment for the listeners called Make Me Smarter. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lean on you and your brethren over there in the research group, and you're going to make me smarter. And in this case, I watch this Dallas Cowboys defense, and I see Micah Parsons empty the bag, get sacks, play defensive end, play linebacker, play, play corner on some plays, and he's everywhere. And historical, I'm like, he's kind of like LT, but he's also kind of <laughs> like, you know, Aaron Donald in a way. The segment is called Make Me Smarter. And the question is this, Tony, how the heck does Micah Parsons do it? What makes him what he is? Make me smarter. I mean, when we watch Michael Parsons play, it's easy to see that he's a unicorn on the field. I mean, every time you see him, he's the best athlete on the field by far. Um, the thing that we do know that anybody can look up, Michael Parsons is tied for first in the sacks this year, and he's tied for fourth in the NFL in sacks going back to his rookie season in 2021. But honestly, Parsons has put up full-time production in a part-time role. He, has a, he had a quote that said, me at 60% is better than most people's 100%. And What's so, that mean? Explain so, it. So we're going to show it. So Parsons only rushed the passer on 60% of his snaps since 2021. Despite that, he's top five in sacks. He's the only player mm. in the top 50 in sacks to rush the passer on fewer than 75% of opponent dropbacks, wow. which is insane. And as you were <laughs> saying that he does so many different things, he's the only player with 250 snaps against the run in coverage and rushing the passer since 2021 according to our NFL in-house next-gen stats. Um, now, his role has changed a little bit this year. So going back to his rookie season, Parsons had three games with two or more sacks while rushing the passer on only half of his uh, half of opponent dropbacks. That was only fewer than three other players, including TJ Watt, who won Defensive Player of the Year and had six such games. If we fast forward to 2022, his role has changed because he's rushing the passer on 80% of his dropbacks, and he already has three games with two sacks in the first five games <laughs> of the season, which is insane. It puts him on pace for 10, which would break the NFL record held by Reggie White in his 1987 Defensive Player of the Year ten season. Games, 10 games of two or more sacks? 10 games with saying? two or more sacks. That's and, what he's on pace for. Reggie, Reggie did it that year? Reggie White had eight. So he's on pace to break it by two games. It's insane. Now, if we want to... Um, Look into this week and the matchup with the Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles have PFF's highest graded uh, pass blocking offensive line this season. And the Cowboys have PFF's highest graded pass rush. Love so it. that's a great matchup to watch. Now Parsons, as we've talked about, splits his time all over the place. And he rushes from the left side and the right side. When he's lined up against right tackle Lane Johnson, that's a strength against strength matchup. PFF's highest graded offensive line, offensive tackle and pass blocking versus PFF's second highest graded edge rusher. And then the 
the thing when it goes weakness on strength is Jordan Mailata missed last week yeah. with a shoulder injury and Jack Driscoll started for him. He's going to have to deal with Parsons for the other half of the snap. So the matchup will be very interesting to watch in the sense of you have an all pro against an all pro and then you have an all pro against a backup possibly. Yeah. And that could be the formula for the Cowboys pulling an upset against the Eagles. Yo, I, I ask you, because you're making us smart with all the numbers and stuff. I mean, just the naked eye. Yeah, Coming out of the draft, you and I do all this draft stuff. We do the combine. Yep. We knew he'd be good. Did you have any idea that he would be like this? Not at all. Not, not. I mean, I knew he could rush the passer some, but nobody expected him to be that at 240 like pounds. Ways, I think. Generational talent. He moves offensive linemen 100 pounds more than him, which is insane. And he can run with wide receivers. Like, he's, he hasn't allowed a receiving touchdown in coverage in his career. Mm. And he rushes <laughs> the passer. Like, the, he's such a unicorn. And, like, the crazy thing is, I'm in New York. Giants had that pick. And Penn State, Giants. Like, it's a, he fits everything. LT, the history, all this stuff. Giants trade that pick. They get next year's first. And then they get Kadarius Toney. Um, and, you know, we'll look at that for the next, the next year's first ended up being Evan yeah. Neal. But like, we'll look at that for a long time. Evan Neal and Kadarius Toney, and they end up passing on just having Micah Parsons who was in their lap. They better hope Evan Neal is what they think he is because he's going to be dealing <laughs> with Micah Parsons for a long, long time. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Tony, you're the man. Much appreciated. Uh, thanks for making me smarter. I appreciate you, Shrek. Thank you for having me on. It means a lot. Beautiful. All right. One of the things that's cool about having my own podcast is I can bully around um, the bosses and the producers and say, I want, I want my friends on it too. I don't just want, you know, fancy NFL superstars. And I want guys that I grew up with who I think are hilarious. And if they were in our line of work would all be superstars too, because they're smart, they're funny, and they're my guys and my gals. And one of them is my college roommate, Aaron. Aaron, um, I'm going to let you up right now. We went to Emory University from the years 2000 to 2004. Many uh, nights at Club 112 listening to the Yin Yang Twins and uh, many a great, great late night trips to the Harris Teeter or the Kroger Market to get some chicken wings at 2 a.m. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. Some of my finest memories of my life, of course. And thank you so much. It's uh, an honor. It's a dream. You know, we had a radio show going back in the day at the Emory University, and it's been 20 years in the making, Peter. I've been waiting for you to finally get me on something, and maybe we can recreate some of the magic that we used to have uh, from, from back in the day. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here on, on this podcast. So let me, let me start it off with, with some more about you. You're an L.A. guy through and through, and I was a Jersey guy. We were roommates throughout college, fraternity brothers, the whole thing. Um, but one of the things that you're interested in that I don't give a crap about is like this weird sci-fi superhero. And like to the point where it could be the third offshoot of a Star Wars show and you've already binged the entire thing or Marvel Universe. You can reference the 11th character from the Iron Man film and you'll give me the full Wikipedia on him. And we were at dinner last week with a bunch of our college friends and you made a statement that I thought would rock the world. Um, the statement was that this new Game of Thrones, this House of the Dragons is superior to the original George R.R. R. Martin, far superior. Take it away. Far Give us superior, your take. Peter, far superior. And um, uh, thanks for the shout out to L.A. Go Dodgers. Sorry to the family for staying up till two in the morning for the next month of October. Um, yes, Peter, absolutely. It's better. Are you kidding me? From the opening lines, from the opening segment, 
you know, everybody wants to think that uh, the, the old Game of Thrones, right at the music hits in and you get all the, the, the old world coming. We got bloodlines flowing from day, from the first second this show starts all about the bloodlines in this show. It's far superior. I think this show is just on a different level. And, you know, the reason why, Peter, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I'm going to take it back to, 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 to your show here, but your football. I mean, listen, you and I know football quite well. We know, we know when we see a great backup quarterback in action, okay? Now, the reason this show is so good, you got someone called Miguel Sapochnik. I don't know you know who, who that is, okay? You've never so heard Miguel, of that. Is he a character or an actor? Miguel, Miguel is, a, is a writer. He's a director. He's a man who was standing behind uh, Mr. Benioff, Mr. Weiss, the creators of Game of Thrones, for many seasons, sitting in the winds, waiting. Okay, this is a guy who directed one of the greatest episodes of Game of Thrones, The, the Battle of the Bastards, Jon Snow versus uh, Ramsey Bolton. Okay, one of the best episodes. This guy's been waiting. He's like a he's like a Geno Smith. He's been waiting <laughs> for his moment. Okay, and here he is. This is his show. This is Miguel Sapochnik's show. Comes in House of Dragons. It is beautiful. I mean. Mm, beautiful this show got a great story all about the story and you know in, in fact you know you want to compare it to another show that's out there right now this rings show over on the amazon i mean it, it, it it's all about the story the story's lacking over with the ring show it's it's so good <laughs> over on house of dragon it just and and personally i just think you know i don't need all the fantasy uh you know of course i love that thank you you know i, I am a big fan of all these 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 genres but you know with game of thrones you had it you had the, the walkers and you had the the, the wars dragons. and you had all these things and whatever house of dragons all i need is a good story and dragons that's it cut and dry not a lot going on except for great story and dragons okay i didn't watch a single episode of game of thrones and a lot of the listeners will be like well do that immediately um where, when do you watch this during football season? Like, when, are you a guy who watches it Sunday night and then reads all the recaps and gets on the podcast, listens to yep. like the watch yep. with Andy Greenwald and all those guys, or do you watch at your own leisure? No, well, as you know, Peter, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I, I got, I got a job. I do things. I got family and everything. So I stay up till uh, two in the morning, three in the morning, you know, pretty much every night. Um, you know, I need some me time and the me time is usually when I consume my content call my stories, my content. And uh, yes, I watch, I watch it right on the Sunday night. Absolutely. I need, I need to see the show right away because then I go to the old YouTube and I watch some of my uh, favorite YouTubers recap some of the videos. Is that right? Little, they do little, like little explainer nuggets. videos? Really? Oh, of course, of course. We're going to get a little Easter eggs here and there, a little Tommy back to the stories, you know, give me some reminders of, Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. You know, I'm, I love it, Peter. Yeah. I'm, I'm consuming content uh, in, the, in the wee hours of the night. Uh, most nights. This might be a weekly segment. You give us a little recommendation or something, but that is the take. Listeners, if you're listening, I want to Game of Thrones inferior to House of Dragons. You heard it from my college roommate, one of my best friends, Mr. Aaron on the call. Listen, uh, real quick story to sum up this guy's love for that kind of genre. We always joke about it. We were on a trip to Nashville last year. First time all of our college guys were together since COVID. We go out on Broadway. We have a big night. I'll name drop. Blake Shelton sets us up at his little honky tonk, the old red. We have this great, great night. big night. We get back to the hotel around three in the morning. We're together for the first time and there's just a light beaming. Yeah, we still all crash in the same hotel room. Don't question us. But we see this light beaming from one of the, 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 the corners of the room and it's Aaron watching his phone. We're like, what the hell are you doing? And tell the audience what you had to do at three in the morning after a big partying night in Nashville. Loki. It was all about Loki. It's like an amazing <laughs> show. And I was catching up on whatever episode four of Loki. I mean, I, I needed to, 
you know, I, get, I need to unwind a little bit before I go to bed. <laughs> and I love to listen to my stories, watch some content. Loki. Great show, by the way. Phenomenal three, show. Three in the morning, four 40-year-old men in a room lying around just trying to figure out how we're going to wake up the next morning. And there's a beam of light and it's some show called Loki. And one of our friends is devouring it all. That friend is you. Aaron, thank you for joining the podcast. Love you, Peter. All right. And that's a wrap. That's where we'll leave it. We start with Arrowhead uh, Stadium and talking about uh, the intensity between the Chiefs and the Bills. And we end it with the intensity of Game of Thrones versus House of Dragons. And in between, we talked Micah, we talked with Robert Sala, and we had a blast. I want to thank our producer, Aaron Wong Kaufman. Aaron, thank you, bro. I want to thank Tony, our research expert, Tony Holzman Escarano. And we want to thank our music man, Jack Rudd, who made this music. It was awesome. And, uh, We're going to continue to keep on rolling. Week six is on the way. It's Bill's Chiefs week. Let's go, baby. Thanks for listening, everyone. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.